The number one cause of death for people living with diabetes is heart disease. The amount of deaths from autoimmune disease in general is actually higher than heart disease, cancer, diabetes. But stress itself is what we need to learn, to balance, to manage. Otherwise, we will die from the consequences of stress. There are other methods for healing or in healthcare than just what we've been taught or programmed. What if we restored mitochondrial function? They don't care at all what happens to your quality of life. So we're talking about the diet style that's most favorably designed to slow the aging process, prevent disease, prevent cancer and dementia and also reverse disease. How do we create spaciousness for ourselves? Every step you take, you go, you evolve. You go, you evolve, you expand your consciousness. You expand your consciousness, you develop more internal power, you become more available, you become more ready. Life then, God gives you more. If you are seeking greater health, wealth, and happiness, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the number one holistic health podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and award-winning documentary filmmaker and health researcher, Nathan Crane. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. So happy you all are joining us here. I've got a really special guest with us on the podcast today. Super excited. Um, uh, to talk with Coot Blackson. Coot is an inspirational speaker and a transformational teacher. He's a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, and the author of the book, The Magic of Surrender. His mission is to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Coot, brother, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. So um, I got to tell a story. The first time oh. I met you, I was, I was in L.A. Um, this is when I was living in San Diego. And I, you must have been doing some crazy good promo or something for, for an event that you were doing. Because I don't even – I just I, – I saw this event you were doing. I think it was like a, a – um, I can't remember what it was called, a love fest or something. It was like probably 12 uh -huh. years ago. Yeah, two, oh, 2013 and 14, I think, in that zone. 2013, yeah, probably would have been, yeah, at least 10, 10, 10 plus yeah. years ago, yeah. And it was, um, I just saw this thing, I was like, I grabbed my wife, I was like, we got to go to this, this just looks amazing, right? And it was just like wow. music and dance and kind of workshop and like kind of primal energy, <laughs> uh, breath work and all this stuff, and we show up and it's like, it, you guys like took over this big ass club in LA, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. the whole thing. And it, was like, it was like a conscious, sober, epic, spiritual party um, in this club in LA. And it was like, it was one of the most epic things that I experienced in that yeah, environment. That was, nice. that was nice. We had about 3000 people there. Yeah, it, it was, was it, it was pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah, and so I saw you on stage and like you just had this electric energy, man, just this really just this this authority, you know, where it was like, this guy is speaking authentically. He's really coming from a place of, of his heart. And like, you just had this, this power and the strength and this confidence about you. And I thought, man, this, this dude's amazing. Like that was the first time I ever heard of you. 
um, mm. ever saw you, any of that. And I went there. I was just like, I was like, this coot guy is amazing, man. <laughs> um, and so I've just, you know, I've kind of followed your work over the years and have been in touch. We've done, you know, another interview a couple years ago for my, for my documentary series, which was amazing. And, you know, you told the story of, of being with your mother. Maybe we'll get into that because sure. that was like a really deep, oh. touching story. But, um, yeah, I just want want people, you know, here on a podcast to get to know you a little bit. And, sure. you know, just my experience, like I said, the first experience I had was like, you are truly living an authentic and fulfilling life, at least from what it seems. And I want to know, like, what point in your life did you kind of figure out your own life's purpose? Like, when was that for you? And what was that like awakening moment? Like, this is my life's purpose. This is what, what I'm here to do. You know, I, I forgot what we spoke about on that, the, the other interview, but um, I don't know if there was like one specific moment. My entire life, I've always felt uh, a calling to serve people. There's been this innate feeling from a very young age that my life is not really my life. There's always been this sense that I wanted to inspire, help, empower people in some way. I, from age six, age seven, age eight, you know, this this deep desire to to help in some way. I mean, I was a very sensitive kid, very empathetic kid. And so I would feel people's pain very deeply. And there was a part of me that always wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I just didn't know as a six, seven-year-old how, how to do that. And so um, that deep desire was there. And look, just, just for a bit of background, um, like my first memories as a kid was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so I grew up around miracles, you know, blind people seeing and deaf people hearing the same man would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, what, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. And he would touch them and they would, they would stand up or somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, throw your crutches away. You're not sick. And they would start walking after not having walked in 10 years. And so this man was my father. He built maybe 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, hundreds of thousands of followers at his height. He had a huge church in London, about 5,000 people every Sunday. And so I grew up in this, I don't know, spiritual, sacred, mystical kind of environment. I was not very close to my father. It's not like he mentored me, but I grew up observing. And so there was always the sense of possibility. And for me, my life was basically scripted out for me. I was, I started speaking in my father's churches when I was age eight. I was ordained as a minister when I was 14. And I was supposed to basically take over my father's spiritual organization. And I was the guy who was going to take it to the next level. But I knew what I did know was the strange feeling inside of me that this was not my path. This was not my purpose mm -hmm. to take over my father's church, to do it through this organization. Uh, I just had this knowing. I didn't know what my purpose was, but I had a knowing that this was not it. And so when I turned 18, uh, I had some decisions to make, even though I still didn't know exactly what my purpose was. Uh, I began reading self-help books, spiritual books, personal growth books from a very young age. I remember age eight, age nine, I was sneaking into my father's office and he had literally a thousand 
spiritual, esoteric, Eastern mystics, Western mystics, you know, Krishnamurti, Osho, Ramana Maharishi, to Gurdjieff, to to Uspensky, Western mystics, to Tila de Chardin, to Wayne Dyer, to Marianne Williamson, to Deepak Chopra, to Tony Robbins. He had all of these books on his bookshelf. So as a kid, I I'd started devouring these books in a quest to try and understand life. And I was a very inquisitive kid. So I wanted to understand, like, what is the nature of life? Who am I? Where do I come from? Where do we go? What is the purpose? Why, do, why are we here? Why do we incarnate? I'd look around. And as a kid, I would see people. I got a scholarship to a very prestigious school. We didn't have a lot of money. So all of the kids in this school, their parents were like presidents and mayors and CEOs and gazillionaires. And, and they had every reason to be happy, but many of them were miserable. And then I go back to my father's church and there was a lot of folks that weren't that educated and didn't have very much and had every reason to be miserable, but they seemed fulfilled and at peace and happy. So I began asking myself the question, like, what the, what the hell is the purpose of life? Is it just to wake up, go to work, meet babies, get a car, get a house, 2.4 kids, and then just die? Like, what? why are we here? Why am I here? And so this became a, a real drive for me in my teens. and to just try to find my purpose. And so when I turned 18, I had to acknowledge that I needed to make some decisions. And I had to acknowledge that the purpose and the life that was basically scripted out for me, as I looked into my future, I saw that I could, I could take over my father's you know, operation, organization, and be successful. And I projected into the future, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, for age 50, age 60. But it, I projected and I saw that if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my own truth, well, what kind of success is that? You know, and, and, and if I start lying to myself now, I'm going to have to live this lie basically for the rest of my life. And the pain of that hit me. And so I knew that I had to make a different decision. And that was to, to leave everything behind in search, in search of the very reason for my life and existence and why I'm here. And so um, I felt a calling in my soul to come to America. And, and partly, I think maybe this is where a glimmer of my purpose began to reveal itself, was when I'd read these self-help books, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay. They, they, they were teaching these things called seminars, right, in the U.S., most of them in California, in San Diego, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. Like California seemed like the Mecca, and they were teaching. And when I, when I, when I understood, like, wow, there's this thing called seminars, and people are teaching in these hotel rooms and seminars, a light bulb went off for me, and I thought, this is what I'm here to do. And I had these visions of writing and speaking as a 16, 17 year old kid. Oh. And, and, and that's what really lit me on fire. I would basically, um, when I caught the vision, I would basically, we lived behind my father's church and I would sneak into my father's church in the middle of the night, you know, 10, 11 PM. And for years, every day I would, in the darkness, in the pitch black of this empty church, I would give seminars to imaginary thousands of people 
imagining I was inspiring and imagining souls lighting up and imagining people being transformed and imagining I was living my purpose. And so there was a sense of, I want to, I want to do this personal growth, personal development thing. And like, this is what I'm here to do. And so, yeah, I, I, it wasn't easy because sometimes people have this sense that when you find your purpose, life unfolds effortlessly. When you find your purpose, it's like the unicorns appear, the violins appear, everything unfolds. I think sometimes when you find your true purpose, shit hits the fan yeah. or hell breaks loose. And that's when the real challenges and difficulties begin. The, the thing is, many times when we find our purpose and the difficulties and the challenge challenges hit, many of us, we think we're on the wrong path. We turn back, we give up, not realizing that those challenges are actually a sign we're on the right path. Those challenges are simply the the soul test and the preparation that we need to go through in order to grow, in order to evolve, in, in order to develop the mental, the spiritual, the emotional muscle, the soul force to be able to fulfill the vision and the purpose that we've been given. And so that led me to having a conversation with my father, which was terrifying. Um, telling my father, I'm not taking over. And then my father and I not speaking for two years, if not more, two to three years, and not having a conversation, which was devastating as a kid. And that led me to coming to the U.S. A long story short, I won a green card in a lottery, which enabled me to come to the U.S. and find many of these people, you know, Marianne, Vipak, a lot of these people, and learn from some of them, study with some of them. And so for me, there's always been this guiding sense that my purpose was to empower, to inspire, to you know, as I've gone deeper in my evolution to help people remember who they really are beyond all the illusions and layers of conditioning to help people uh, be free and find the freedom of their being, the freedom that is innate, the freedom that is their true nature. And so for me, there's always been, regardless of how it's expressed, I mean, you saw me doing a sort of crazy conscious sort of party for 3000 people I do seminars, small groups, large groups, regardless of what the the format is, the essence and the purpose is the same, which is to help people remember who they are. And so I think that the light bulb really got crystallized when I was already in the US. Uh, I went through a cycle of things not working out, dreams falling apart. Not manifesting what I thought I wanted. And I thought at, at the age of 21, I thought I wanted to be like the next Oprah and have a TV show and, and you know, have a talk show when I was really going for it. And again, longer story short, I had an opportunity to do a show. And when I sat with my true inner guidance, I was guided not to. And that took me into a deep, I don't want to say depression, but a bit of a funk. And I threw my arms up to the universe and I said, God, I don't know what the hell you want me to do anymore with my life. And that led me to traveling. I went to Israel, studied with some, some rabbis and walked the path of Jesus. I went to the Camino, which was a 900 kilometer trek and just walked with a backpack and shaved my head. Like I wanted freaking answers, man. Like why the hell am I here? And then I ended up in India and it was my time in India that I would say crack me open to a deeper sense of who I am and a deeper realization of, okay, this is why I'm here. And that's when it was that shift and that opening, that awakening that occurred for me, that's when I came back to the U.S. with a new vision and a kind of clarity 
And that's when I started, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. That's when I started working with people one-on-one in a small room. Um, That's when I created my way of working with people that I called uncoaching. And that's when it just started to evolve and grow out of a sincere desire to help people find themselves, to help people get free. And so that's how it began. You know, I think that's the best. Um, Anything that comes from that true place of desire to serve, right? Whether it's people, it's the planet, it's animals, it's your neighborhood, it's your family, whatever. But anything that comes out of that, that true desire to be of service, what comes from that in the form of a vision, a thought, inspiration, you know, an idea, if you follow that, usually that's when things start to work out, right? Like doors start to open. And, And like you said, you know, when you're really in touch with your, your purpose, it's not like everything is easy, but what I found is that if you stay with those tests of life, you know, God testing you, if you will, mm-hmm. to say, hey, are you, is this something you really want to do? Is this something you're really willing to do? Are you willing to go through the fire to transform and into that phoenix that you're here to become, right? And sometimes you have to go through that fire. But when you stay committed to it, it's like a little door opens, right? And you're like, oh, I see a little bit more light. And then another little door opens. You're like, oh, okay. And you, you start getting these, these signs and these signals and these confirmations and affirmations that, hey, I'm on the right path. Hey, I'm meeting the right people. Hey, the right situations are happening. And, and the more that you listen and do that and walk in that direction, you know, it does get easier, you know, right? Mm-hmm. To, to some degree, you're still going to have challenges, but it's, it's a lot. I should, I should say it doesn't get easier. You, you get better at dealing with those challenges and because you love what you're doing, right? Because if you're following your purpose, you're, you're very happy to do what you're doing. You love it most of the time. There's some things I do, uh, you know, that I would say are essential for me to fulfill my purpose at this stage in my life that I don't enjoy doing the minutia things, right? The answering emails, the things, you know, it's little things, but that's like 20% or 30% of what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, 70 to 80% of what I do, I love doing, you know, and I think that's a sign. If, if I were to ask you, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, you know, if someone asked me, it's like, well, what's a sign that you're living your purpose? Well, you wake up and you look forward to doing it, whether you get paid for it or not, you know, whether that's something you do eight or 10 hours a day, or you do it one or two hours a day, but you really look forward to doing that thing. And that thing is contributing not only to the benefit of yourself, but to the benefit of others in some way. I feel like that's an essential part of, you know, finding your purpose. There's a lot of people today who are even, let's say, in their 50s or 60s who still don't feel like they have a purpose in life, but they don't know what their purpose is or they're searching for their purpose. And, you know, what would you say to somebody who is... yeah? you know, either questioning, am I really in my life purpose? Or, you know, how do I find my purpose? Um, How do I have more purpose in my life? What would you say to somebody with those questions? So I want to tackle that question, because it's a simple question, but it's also a complex question. And I want to tackle that question from a few different levels. Um, I, I tell people, stop seeking your purpose. Stop seeking your purpose. 
your purpose is not necessarily something you have to go and find. On a spiritual level, this very moment right now of your existence is the very purpose of your life. The ego is constantly seeking some purpose other than this moment to fulfill something, to find something. But the ego, which is really what we perceive ourselves to be, wants to seek and seek and seek and not really find. And so in many ways, the constant seeking of our purpose takes us away from the very purpose that is right now. So on a spiritual level, this moment is your purpose. Right now is your purpose. And what I mean by that is we are first and foremost, we are souls. We're souls. We incarnate into this human experience. To me, this human experience is like a university for our soul's growth and evolution. To me, this is life is like a school for us to grow and evolve. And every experience and every situation and every relationship and every single thing that we go through is part of the curriculum for our soul's growth and evolution. And if we understand that first and foremost, we're souls and we don't just look at life from a one-dimensional sort of goal line level, but we look at life from a soul line level, then it doesn't really matter on that deeper, bigger spiritual level what we do. What matters more is regardless of what is happening and regardless of what we're doing and regardless of what we're going through, regardless of who we're with, regardless of what's happening out here, am I learning? Am I growing? Am I evolving? Am I learning the lessons for why my soul attracted this experience, this relationship, this breakup, this challenge, this this roadblock, am I learning the lessons for why my soul attracted this situation? And am I becoming more of my authentic self? Am I becoming more of my true nature? Because ultimately all lessons are repeated until learned. And if we realize that, that life is then the process of evolution. So if I'm a soul and we're here to learn, grow and evolve, and life is a process of evolution, then every moment and every aspect and every relationship and everything in life is serving your growth and evolution so long as you're willing to learn. Then you realize that all of life is the purpose of life so long as you are learning and evolving. So the purpose of life is evolution. And on that bigger level, first and foremost, if you're evolving, even if like, I'm not sure what my purpose is, Ask yourself, why am I going through this experience? Why am I attracting this experience? And then if you're able to do the inner mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, therapeutic healing, regardless of what's going on, then you are fulfilling your purpose. That's kind of one level. Now, for those that might be like, but what the hell do I do now? Like, I, I want to do something. I want to express something in the world. Then I would still say to make it even more practical, stop seeking your purpose. The ego wants to seek and seek and seek. That's one of the ways it reinforces itself and it doesn't want to find. And so it continues seeking. And many times we spend our entire life seeking some elusive purpose out there that we think is going to magically happen. And we end up standing on the sidelines, never living what is actually in front of us to live now because we're busy waiting for some magical purpose to appear. So what I would say to you, if you're still not sure, like, okay, I understand that I'm a spiritual being and I'm here to evolve but I still want to do something with my, I want to express something in this world. Stop seeking for some purpose out there. Your purpose is not something you find. So what do you do? I would invite you to simply take a step and go in the direction. There's four things. Go in the direction of what lights you up. Go in the direction 
of what makes you come alive. Go in the direction of what turns you on. What makes you come alive? What turns you on? What lights up your being and your soul? You don't have to know what your purpose is and what what that expression is in order to, to get to exactly where you need to be. But you do need to take a step and move in the direction. When you take a step in the direction of what turns you on and lights you up, you take a step. What I have found is life reveals to you the next step. You take another step. Life reveals to you the next step in the process of living life. It's a revelation. But many times from the sidelines and our current level of consciousness, we're trying to figure out the entire pathway, the entire road to our purpose from our current level of consciousness. And you can't figure out the ultimate purpose for why you're here based on the current dimension and identity of who you are now. Every step you take, you grow, you evolve. You grow, you evolve, you expand your consciousness. You expand your consciousness, you develop more internal power, you become more available, you become more ready. Life then, God gives you more, then gives you more. So your purpose often ends up revealed to you in the process of living itself. So step one, go in the direction of what turns you on. For me, I love speaking. And so I would literally do it for free. I would sneak into my father's church and I was speaking two hours a night, living my purpose for free with no one around. So that's a sign that turns me on. We're doing this podcast. This is the source of aliveness for me. I'm not being paid, but it's just, this is like, I feel most alive when I'm sharing my gifts, my talents and the message that I feel life is seeking to express to me. So what makes me come alive? Number two, ask yourself because that alone is not enough. You might say, well, I love freaking basketball. But if you're two foot one, probably you're not going to be an NBA you know, basketball player. You're not going to, if I love Formula One, but I'm not going to be the next Lewis Hamilton. So chances of that being my purpose as a race car driver, probably not. And so I would say, ask yourself, what tangible specific skills do you have? What tangible skills do you have? And if you look back, many times we don't value the skills that we have because they come easy to us. And if you look back at every single job you've had, every single experience you've been through, every single job that you've hated has probably been a necessary growth, uh, evolutionary opportunity for you to learn a particular skill. And even though that job wasn't the ultimate purpose, this is why I tell people, even if you're working a job that you hate, learn what you need to learn because there's probably something even in that job that you hate that you're needing to learn, that's going to be a necessary puzzle piece for the ultimate expression of your purpose. And so look at what tangible skills you have, that's being practical. Then look at what unique problems that you are gifted and able to solve. To me, making money is a function of adding value when you add value, when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. And so look at what are the, what are the problems in the world? What are the things I complain about? And what unique gifts do I have that might be able to solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge and add value? And that also might point you in the direction of where your purpose is. And lastly, I would say, look at what group of people, the whales, the elderly, you know, teenage, you know, pregnant girls, you know, uh, uh, doesn't even really matter. But what group of people do you feel a, a soul connection to, an affinity to? Uh, a resonance with that also might point you in the direction of the group of people you're here to serve many times. And here's a mistake people make. We're looking for a big purpose. We're waiting for some big, magnificent purpose. And I tell people simply look around you right now and respond to the need in the moment 
If you respond to the need that is right in front of you, likely life will give you more. 18 years ago, when I first came to the US, I would sit on a park bench. I was broke as hell. I would sit on a park bench and I would marinate and pray and meditate on like, what's my purpose? What am I here to do? How am I going to do it? How am I going to fulfill? And this went on for about three months. And every day I would see this elderly woman, a Russian woman, elderly Russian woman. She must've been in her 80s, little tiny, like four foot seven, tiny little woman struggling with grocery bags every day, shit falling everywhere, stuff flying everywhere. But every day I would see this woman from my park bench while I was meditating on what's my purpose. God, I want to do some big thing to save humanity. And one day I woke up and I said, here I am sitting about, here I am meditating, sitting around waiting for some big purpose when right in front of me is this woman who clearly needs help. And how am I, and I saw for myself, how am I going to be entrusted with millions, thousands, if I'm not even responding to helping one? Yeah. And so many times so we have true. this idea, but we're not responding to what's in front of us. So I say, start with where you are, with who you are, exactly as life is, and respond to the need in the moment. And that will lead, that will surely lead you to more. So I got my ass off the park bench and went and helped her with the groceries. And that led to an amazing friendship and understanding a lot. And she gave me many gifts. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies, for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal, but cancer prevention. Go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I mean, truly incredible words of wisdom, dude. Like everything that you just said is literally, I mean, explained kind of my life and discovering, you know, purpose and meaning in my life, like to a T, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, I wasn't, I don't, I don't think I was ever really spending months or years trying to figure out what my purpose was. It was more of like that commitment to, to discovering myself, right? To healing myself, to overcoming the addiction, you know, the hardcore addiction that I had as a teenager, you know, where I ended up homeless and addicted to hard drugs and cocaine wow. and methamphetamine and alcohol and in and out of jail and almost dead at 18. And then at 18, having this big um, awakening moment, also seeing myself, one of the rare times I was sober at that age, seeing myself standing on a stage, speaking to like thousands of people and I saw this like future potential purpose in my life. And it gave me this glimpse of like hope of possibility of like, oh, could that, could that maybe be my life? You know, wow. it was really an incredible experience. And at 18, I drove to San Diego, ran out of gas in Oceanside, and basically started my life over and got committed to, you know, healing myself, learning meditation and exercising and eating clean and cleaning out my body. Right. And so... Through that process, going back to your point of like focusing on living in the moment and 
deal with what you're dealing with. You know, the, the thought that came up to me as you were talking about that is like, we have to make the healing of ourselves and the awakening of ourselves priority number one, right? Because how are we going to go out into the world and fulfill this, whatever big purpose is, if we're not focusing on our own internal health and well-being and healing and awakening. So when you said your purpose on earth, all of our purpose on earth, number one, at let's just say at a foundational level, right? We could stack multiple levels of purpose and meaning in life. But at a foundational level, all of our purpose is to learn and grow and evolve, right? I 100% resonate with that because if we're always focusing on that, how can I improve my health? Right? How can I be a better father, a better husband? How can I be, you know, uh, how can I take better care of this body? How can I heal my emotions and get better with my mental and emotional well-being? How can I connect to a higher power and have more of a spiritual connection in life? If we're always focusing on those things and we're we're focusing on that on an ongoing basis, there's always something to work on. It gives us deep purpose and meaning. And then as you say, something shows up in your life. Some opportunity to help a woman whose groceries are falling all over the street or, you know, something so simple that can lead to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. All of a sudden, you see this purpose unfold in front of you. At eight years old, I was taking my mom's big handy cam with the big VCR tapes and going out and, and filming my friends and I skateboarding. You know, just just for fun. We were skateboarding. We love skateboarding. But I took the camera and and just started filming us. I just make little home videos. You know, I was doing Jackass at, I think, 12 years old before like Jackass existed, you know, doing crazy stuff. But I was always filming stuff. You know, the the point is, and, you know, and however many years later, 20 years later, whatever it was, 25 years later, 27 years later, I end up directing, producing, scripting. Uh, and editing my own documentary yeah. film uh, about helping people with cancer that ended up winning 20 awards, you know? Amazing. And I didn't go to school for film, and I didn't... It was all self-taught and self-learned along the way. But look back at even those things in your childhood that you were doing, right? Where it was like, yeah. I'm just taking a camera and just filming, you know? And then I didn't touch a camera for like 15 years. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, I had this passion of like, hey, I'm going to learn how to film and do this stuff. And oh, I'll make a documentary and help people and... You start connecting your passions. I would say another level, and let me know your thoughts on this, like another level of purpose. Let's say that foundational one is like always focusing on growth and learning and becoming better in every way, right? Level two, I might say on top of that is like find the things, and this is what you were just talking about. I would, I would word it like find the things you're passionate about and couple that with this, some skills that you have or learn some new skills that can then you know, go out and be beneficial to people or animals or the planet, whatever you have a passion for. Right. Um, and that's how I started my company years ago was I just did it for free. I just was so in love with personal development and health and spirituality. I said, I'm going to start an online free community. I called it teachers of life and students of life. Um, and, and bring people together to learn, to grow, to share, did it absolutely free, turned down a really high paying job in sales and marketing, um, because my heart also, like you were talking about, it was like, if, yeah, if I go over here, I got, this solves all my mo- money problems that I have right now, but I'm, I'm going to be totally unfulfilled. But if I go over here and do this crazy weird thing that I have no idea how to make money with, and I don't even know if I'm going to pay the rent this, this month and we got a new kid on the way and whatever, but this is where 
I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to be more fulfilled in my life. And I chose that direction and it was not easy. It was not easier. It was harder for sure. Yes. But looking back now, however many years, 12, 13, 14 years later, that was absolutely the right decision. Yeah. Sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense. And sometimes what your soul guides you to do is not always convenient, but when you, I believe through my own experience that when you listen to your soul and you allow your soul to guide you and lead you, you will always, always end up in the right place with the right people doing the right thing. You may not take the route that you most expected, but you will end up where you need to be. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. We have not actually learned the lesson where we are, when we are, with who we're with. And we don't realize that, shit, why evolution and learning and healing and following our soul is so important. Because if we don't learn the lesson where we are, cycling in patterns of old relationships, not loving ourselves, you know, not honoring ourselves, all of these things. If we don't learn the lesson where we are energetically, emotionally, spiritually, karmically, it's like the next level of our life doesn't open up. And so often we actually stay stuck in the next level of our, we might want to reach a bigger level, but we haven't freed ourselves of the patterns, the layers, the lessons that are able to, that we're not fully able to embody the readiness for the next level. And so if we haven't learned the lesson where we are, but we want to reach, you know, 20 steps ahead, but we haven't learned where we are, it doesn't work, it doesn't work that way. So I think if someone really wants to live their purpose at the next level, look at your life right now. What we tend to do is we tend to force, we tend to push. We tend to try to control life. We tend to push harder to get to that next level. I want to live my purpose at the next level. But the challenge is if we, if we haven't learned the lesson where we are, the next level often doesn't unlock. And so if things don't seem to be unlocking, look around in your life and ask yourself, why did I attract this situation and experience? What is my soul seeking to learn from this dynamic in my life? from this experience in my life, from this job that I can't seem to get out of. I have this vision, but I'm stuck in, what is my, what is my soul seeking to learn? What haven't I learned yet? What am I afraid to learn? What do I not want to learn? Why have I attracted this experience into my life? And what am I seeking to learn? Because if you can truly learn that, you begin to unhook yourself and you begin to transcend that experience to a new level of experience. And that's when your energy shifts, your vibration shifts, your frequency shifts, and you start to draw to you and attract to you from the energetic vibrational resonance of just who you are being now, experiences and situations and opportunities that resonate with who you are because you have graduated to the next level. And so I think that's that's super important. Many times we keep ourselves stuck at the level we're at because we haven't learned the lessons for that next level. Yeah. Some, sometimes too, the purpose that we think is our purpose, not really our purpose. 
Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors, and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at HealingLife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to HealingLife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. It's just kind of what we think our purpose should be. It's what we, based on looking around at everyone else on social media, based on looking around at our family and friends and what we've been conditioned and told by society, by parents, by religion, by family, by those, by educational system. And so we're kind of pursuing a purpose that we think should be our purpose. Like, oh, I should be a coach. Oh, I should be a nurse. So I should do this thing. I should be a doctor. But the purpose is not truly, as great as it even might be, is not truly authentically in alignment with our souls. And so things then don't open up, even though it's yeah. like, wow, it sounds good. You want to be a coach? You want to be a healer? You want to be a doctor? But if it's not truly aligned with our soul's highest intention, then life will sometimes not open up as as kind of like feedback to us, the opportunity for life to course correct us. And so when things don't open up, when you're living what you think your purpose is, step back and ask yourself, is the purpose I'm following, is it really my purpose? Is it truly my purpose? Or is it my parents? Is it someone else's? What I think I should should be living based on my conditioning. And is it really my purpose? So that's the opportunity to step back and go inside and reflect and reconnect and get really honest with oneself, like, what is my purpose really? What truly is my purpose? And ask oneself the question. Sometimes purpose doesn't manifest in this moment, not because it's not aligned, but it just may not be the timing yet to, to fully express that. It may not be the time to leave your job right now. There still might be certain lessons you need to learn. The universe, it may not be that season quite yet to express your purpose and so that that may be an opportunity to exercise patience but also prepare yourself the preparation is important because when when a mango is ripe it falls from the tree yeah. if you look at nelson mandela he spent 27 years in prison we could say well was he not living his purpose he missed 27 years of living his purpose what a waste was it a waste? Maybe it took 27 years for him to cook, for the divine sort of the Marinate. cosmic, 
the cosmic chef, right, to mar marinate his soul, <laughs> marinate his ego. Yeah. Like, like, imagine 27 years, the depth of forgiveness, the depth of compassion, the depth of surrender, the depth of connecting to God and the divine that you have to go to to even stay sane and to be able to come out. So 27 years to marinate, to develop the, the soul force. That was what was necessary for him so that he could come out of prison and resonate at such a level of understanding and consciousness and power of soul that in a few short years, he was able to impact humanity, impact generations to come in such a short period of time. And so if you're not living your purpose, just make sure that you're using that time to also prepare yourself so that you're ready when the opportunity comes because if if we put if we pull the cake out if we pull the turkey or the cake out of the oven and it's not fully baked even if everything around you is right it won't what you create won't be sustainable or you just won't be ready yeah that's so powerful what a great example too and it goes back to you know what you said and what we've been talking about is like if you're if you're always focused on you know that core level of your purpose of, of a, evolution of evolution. growth of learning then when these opportunities come like nelson mandela to become you know president and to you know do the amazing work that he did and or or whatever it is it doesn't even have to be that big of a thing but when that opportunity comes you're ready for it you've as you That's said you've, you've seasoned you marinated you're prepared i a couple things real quick one is i just want to highlight this again and if people or listening where they can write this down, I so encourage you to write this down because this has been the biggest question that has helped me in so many challenging times in my life. And that's the question that you said, which is, what is this here to teach me, right? This yeah. relationship, this, this traumatizing experience, this business failure, this cancer diagnosis, this health challenge, what is it here to teach me? What do I need to learn from this? What is my soul Giving, you can even look at it like that. Was my soul giving me this lesson for what do I need to learn from this? You know, cancer patients I've worked with for over the past decade plus, the ones who have reversed cancer and oftentimes stage four, quote unquote, incurable cancers. Mm. So many of them have that question in common and said, what is this here to teach me? What can I learn from it? And when they approached it with that mindset, and they started changing their diet and their lifestyle and meditating and loving themselves more and eating cleaner and exercising and start loving this healthy lifestyle that they embodied. And then all of a sudden they found purpose and meaning and happiness and health in their life. And then they kind of forget about the cancer and the cancer just actually ends up going away. It didn't become this fight of I have to kill and get rid of this cancer. It was more of like, I have to learn to live. I have to learn to love myself. I have to learn to take care of myself and my health. And yeah, there's no guarantee that, you know, whatever diagnosis someone's dealing with is going to go away with that. But in so many cases, more often than not, the people who have healed from so many different kinds of chronic diseases using a more holistic approach or even using conventional medicine, I've met people who, you know, they shifted everything about their life and said, look, what is this here to teach me? How do I need to improve and grow and evolve from this challenging circumstance? So that question just embody it and then you know it's important to to ask it in in the best in the best state that you can get in right like you can be in an angry upset scared afraid state and that's fine that emotion is fine and god why 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 this experience why you know 
But if you can calm yourself and get into a meditative state and ask, you know, sincerely, why is this experience happening to me? What am I, what do I need to learn from this to help me get to the next level of my own evolution? And sometimes the answer is like that. And sometimes the answer comes in little trickles over weeks and months, right? And sometimes it's just a, an aha moment when you're taking a shower. But I've always found that when I ask that question in those challenging situations, the answer always appears at some point. And I think that's, that's so powerful. Um, yeah, so I'm glad, that you, I'm glad you shared that. I just wanted to highlight it again because I think it's, I think it's essential, you know. Um, yeah, one, one thing I just want to add maybe also to connect a dot that you just triggered this thought is, you know, many times those, those challenging situations that arise in our lives, the, the darkness, the diagnosis, the illness, the disease, the pain, the heartbreak, that, that, that difficult person that, you know, we curse at saying he's a jerk or what have you. On some level, if we understand that we're souls, we, we're able to begin to shift our entire relationship to these experiences. Because then you start seeing these experiences as grace. These experiences are kind of bringing you, if you're willing, to evolve and ask the question. They're bringing you back home to your truth. They're bringing you back home to yourself. They're giving you the opportunity to experience another dimension of yourself. What, what, what's on the flip side of the experience is giving you the opportunity to experience what's on the flip side of the experience, which may be more self-loving. You know, if, if you have a diagnosis, you realize, shit, I need to love my body. I need to love myself. So that, that this ease is then giving you the opportunity as a teacher, as a blessed teacher to, to love yourself. So it's, it's not, it hasn't come into your life to like screw you up. It's come to, give you the gift of self-loving. And if you understand that, then, then you can shift your relationship with, let's say, the cancer. You can shift your relationship with your ex. Then you can come to a point of like, thank you. Th like, thank you for breaking my heart because through this experience, it taught me to love myself. It taught me to, you know, value what's important. It taught me to you know, fill in the blank. And then when, 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 then we're no longer resisting the experience. Then we're no longer in a sort of adversarial relationship with what's showing up. We can embrace it and we can welcome it and we can love whatever is happening, love whatever is arising, realizing that whatever is arising is, is, uh, is conspiring for our evolution and to yeah. gift us something. When my mother had cancer, at first, I was a bit mad. At first, I was, um, you know, she had stage four cancer. And I was flying back and forth from, London, from LA to London, literally every month for a week to be with her. To fly, be with her for a week, be with her. She chose to do chemo, be with her in chemo. I would hold her hand. And we would talk for eight hours in her chemo session. And then I would spend days with her. We would just talk. And I realized, man, that I, I hadn't sat and talked with my mom since I was like, for eight hours, since I was like a child. Mm. And I was so busy running around, saving the world, that I 
you know, I didn't make time for just being with her. I didn't make, I thought I didn't have time. I thought certain things weren't important. And when I would sit there with her after about three, four months into the process, I felt, I felt such a blessing to have this opportunity to be with her and love her and hold her hand. And all of these ordinary moments that I realized I had missed so many of these ordinary moments of life in an effort to serve people. I saw how much of life I had missed out on, man. And I turned to my mom about four months into her chemo and I said, mom, this is going to sound strange, but cancer has taught me certain things. I know it's your cancer, but it, it's, it's, I, want, I actually want to thank cancer because it's taught me in real life what's really important. And it's shown me what's really meaningful. And that moment for me, I mean, we know it, we, 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 we speak about it, we read about it, but for me in that moment, something clicked in terms of what's true in life and it changed my life. And so I remember feeling in that moment, the sense of just thank cancer, thank cancer for showing me what's real. Thank mm -hmm. cancer for showing me what's important. Thank cancer for showing me what was really meaningful. And it changed my relationship from like F cancer and I hate it to thank you. I wish it didn't have had, I wish this didn't, didn't have had to happen. But now from that moment of my life, it, it transformed my relationship with my father, who I was not so close to, it transformed my relationship with people in my life, transformed my relationship with my wife, transformed my relationship with so. And, and had that not happened, I would probably still be on the same trajectory, missing out on so many of the beautiful ordinary moments in life. And so um, when, you, when, when we can embrace what's arising with an open heart, and, and then we then we can start seeing underneath what seems to be happening. There is love there. Yeah. There is grace there. Yeah. You know, there is a blessing there, even though it might seem a little different. Yeah, it's the um, silver lining, right? It's a blessing in disguise. And, you know, it's it's always there if we are earnestly looking for it. But yeah. If we're in pain, it's really hard to see that silver lining. If we're in fear, you know, a newly uh, diagnosed uh, cancer, for example, there's so much fear. It's very hard to see the silver lining, right? Unless you've, unless you've been practicing your whole life, you know, it's still, <laughs> it's, hard. Like, it's still, still very hard. hard. Yeah. Even with life, even you've been practicing, you know, I've been practicing this way of living since I was 18. So you know, it's 17 plus years now. And it's like, still life throws me some challenges. And, you know, it takes a minute sometimes to like, okay, all right, I got it. You know, I thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Learning from this, you know, we'll move on. But it's, it still takes some time sometimes to like really. Um, so, so imagine somebody who's not looking at life this way as if the universe or God is conspiring in your favor. Somebody who thinks life is against them always. Somebody who thinks that, um, you know, they always, uh, you know, they don't have a purpose in life. They don't have any meaning. They, you know, everything bad happens to them like this negative mentality. And I know so many people today, unfortunately, live with this mindset of just constant negativity, like the world's out to get them. Everything's against them. Nothing works right. You know, nothing is goes good in their favor. And it's just this constant repetitive negative 
um, mm-hmm. you know, thinking loop that, that literally becomes self-prophesizing, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way to get out of that loop is to start shifting the paradigm in which we look at the world. That's it. And we have the power to do that. That's a cool thing, right? We've been given the power of choice and we have the power to shift our lens in which we see the world and how things are happening. And when we do that, it's amazing what happens in life. You know, I want to go back to something you said. Um, I mean, your, your story with your mother is so touching and I know there's so much there too, so much more. And we, we talked a lot about it in the last interview too. It was, I think brought both of us to tears. Actually, it was so Mm -hmm. powerful. Just think you were sitting there with her, um, you know, uh, and she, she had said something to you um, before she passed. Right. That was just like deeply meaningful. Um, And uh, maybe you can share that for a second um, if, if you don't mind, but I just think, you know, being able to like, she got to the point where cancer helped her see something as well. Right. Yeah. My mother. um, So I I was with her every month during this process for a week and she was supposed to have an operation. Uh, She had stomach cancer and they're basically going to have to take her stomach out. Um, And the doctors finally came and they said to us, look, we're not going to do the operation because we think it's not worth it. And we're going to do some more chemo treatments to see if it can help. And after some more chemo treatments, they basically sat us down in the hospital. And the doctor, in a nice way, says, there's nothing else we can do for you. So get your affairs in order. And um, we don't know how long you have. And that was a really intense moment because I'd been preparing for this moment. But the moment still has an impact when you realize that the person you love the most is going to die. And I looked at my mother and I looked her in the eyes and I asked her two questions. The first question I asked my mother was, are you afraid? Are you afraid? Like, maybe there's a miracle, but this is it. This this is about to go down. And it was, it was, it was, I'm like, shit, I'm never going to see this woman again. And I don't know when that moment will be, but she won't be in my life. She's not going to be around to see my children. She's not going to be around. There were so many more things that I wanted to do with my mom because I thought I had time. I mean, I had so many plans. When this happens, when that happens, I'm going to do that. And I realized that none of that was going to happen. And I saw in that moment that for me, the only regret I had in my life, and I've done a lot of things, but the only regret was not spending more time with my mom. Mm. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, are you afraid? And she looks me in the eyes and she said, very matter of fact, she said, no, I'm, I'm not afraid. And, and, and you know, take into consideration that this entire eight months, seven months, she was very calm very much at peace. Like we'd go to chemo, she was smiling and just truly like in peace, not in denial, just in complete peace. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, are you afraid? And she says, no, I'm not, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body. This body is a temporary vehicle for my soul. And 
when this body goes and when this body dies, I will not. I will be with you, guiding you from the other side. I know I'm not this body. And she had such a clarity of knowing what she was, was beyond this physical mind-body mechanism, that she was a soul, she was a spirit, she was consciousness, she was energy. And she was in peace. And then I looked her in the eyes and I said, Mom, are you, uh, what can I do for you? You know, I wanted to be a good son. Like, what can I do for you? What, what, can I take you somewhere? What do you need? What can I buy? Uh, how can I make your final days easier? What do you need? And she looks me in the eyes and she says, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. The only thing I want for my life is what God wants for my life. That's it. Mm. Nothing else. And she looked at me with such, I don't know, humility and calmness. And I realized that my mother was free, like truly free. And I'm like, damn, my mom's an enlightened <laughs> being, you know, and I didn't know it. And, and, and she wasn't attached to living, you see, and she wasn't attached to dying. She was just open to the highest unfolding of her soul's journey without any conditions. She had zero conditions on life. It's got to be this way, got to be that way. There was even no preference. There was just whatever is the highest unfolding for my soul. That's all I want. And, and I saw that there was such a profound level of surrender and freedom for her. Or I should say surrender for her. And that's when I saw that surrender is the password to true freedom. And that moment honestly just changed my life. Seeing her embodied in that surrender and how at peace she was, it made me understand some things. You know, and uh, it was it was it was a life changing, a simple but life changing moment. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, just incredible, man. Um, I mean, to be to be at that level of peace, knowing that your life is ending and and but knowing her knowing herself. Right. I'm, I'm not this body. Like I'm, I'm a soul. I'm, I'm going to the next dimension and I got nothing to be afraid of. Like death is probably the number one fear for most people, right? Yeah. They're afraid of going to hell. They're afraid uh -huh. of the nothing. They're afraid of the unknown. And so, you know, overcoming that fear in your life is like, if you can overcome that fear, like there's nothing that can touch you, man. If you're like, Hey, I'm not afraid of death. You know, it's like, what else can, what else can happen? You know, yeah, you can have some pain and some suffering, but even then pain and suffering, the end result for most people in the back of their mind is death. So if that fear is already gone and you're just accepting that, you know, this is just one stage of my existence, you know, and beyond this body, when I trans transcend transition into the next existence where my soul goes beyond this body, it's like I know that, you know, I know in my heart that, that that's the next level. I believe it. I know it. The, the transition from here, whether you call it heaven or, you know, uh, the oneness or whatever, it's a beautiful place to be. You know, I'm not afraid of hell or, you know, and there, there's certainly a lot of religious people who think, well, 
If I don't do what I'm told I have to do, what the Bible tells me, um, then then I'm going to go to hell. And that's that's a fearful place to live in, you know, yeah. and, and that's okay. That's okay. I mean, it keeps people doing, trying to live a good life. But if that fear is always in the back of your mind, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that allows you well, to you live. You're certainly, you're certainly not. Yeah, I don't, I think you certainly won't be free. You right. Be free. Free, like just how you're explaining your mother. Yeah. 100% truly, peace. Truly, yeah. truly free. Yeah, truly yeah. free to be who you truly authentically are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Is that, so is that what you wrote? You wrote the book, The Magic of Surrender. Did you write it because of that experience? Yeah, I wrote the, the, the Magic of Surrender was not the book I wanted to write. It was not the book I thought I was going to write. Uh, I had other plans. I had, I wanted to, I, I, I came up with a whole strategy of books I thought would be a bestseller. Tell God your plans I, and watch him laugh, right? Uh, yeah, books <laughs> I thought the publisher would want, books I thought my audience would want. And I had an entire whiteboard one day of brilliant ideas and, and none of them felt authentic. None of them felt true and aligned. The only word that felt really aligned for me was the word surrender. And that's when I thought, oh shit, this is this is the energy. This is this is this is the book. And so I resisted and I had to surrender to <laughs> I had to surrender to the book about surrender that was seeking to be written. And I saw that this book had a soul of its own, had a consciousness of its own, and this was the book that was seeking to be written. And I just surrendered to it. And that's when the magic started happening, you know. And you know, and I think in our culture today, we have this idea or this misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, it's waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. If you surrender, you won't have that thing you want. If you surrender, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be taken advantage of. You're going to be a doormat. And I'm actually saying if you truly understand the real power in the real essence of true surrender. Maybe you don't get what you thought you wanted based on your ego's identity, but what if you got more? What if it was better? What if it was, what, what if it was beyond what you could currently imagine with your limited mental personalities, egos, perception, because the ego is very conditioned. And so what if it, what if in truly surrendering, you got more and it was better. And when I really look, and so I believe that surrender is the real secret to real manifestation, that it is the key to the next level of our lives. If you look at the truly great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, Bob Marley, many of these people, like they weren't weak little people that were passive and sat around. But all of these people, I think, got to the point where they got to the point where they surrendered themselves to their soul's highest intention. They surrendered themselves to the divine, to life. And that's when they transcended their own human limitations and they yeah. tapped into another dimension of potential. And that's when I think life was able to use them. Life was able to express through them. Life was able to perform miracles through them because they weren't in the way. And so I think surrender is... Surrender is the magic, man. Surrender, surrender is the key to unlock the next level. And I think the next level of, of our life requires the next level of us, which requires that we let go and we release that which is no longer in alignment 
But as human beings, out of self-comfort, self-preservation, fear, we tend to hold on to who we were and what we know to keep ourselves safe, not realizing that we are blocking that next level of purpose. We're blocking the next level of manifestation. And so, yes, surrender is to let go of control, or I should say the illusion that we are in control in the first place. Surrender is to let go of trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be, who we think we should be, so that we can be truly like available, like my mother was, available to the highest impulse of what life is seeking to express. And I think that's when we allow life to show us. We allow this intelligent energy and consciousness that is life that has been around for billions and billions and billions of years. We allow life to lead us. And that's when we start following life rather than us from a limited perception imposing onto life. We allow life to show us. And so for me, the shift happens when we stop asking the question, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And we start asking the question, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that life, my soul, the divine, the universe, this infinite intelligence, the, the deepest, highest truth, what is, what, is, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? And we allow ourselves to attune to that, to feel that, to sense that, and align with that. Then we can sort of align our minds, our speech, our resources, our marketing, our money, our strategy, our goal planning, in alignment with what is authentic and true. That's when I think we're in the flow. I want to ask you a question about that. Like personally, do you, have you found that when you're, when you're listening to, to your heart, to your intuition, to God, and you start to follow that guidance, whatever it is, it was a vision, it was a thought, it was an idea. And you're like, hey, this is what I need to focus on right now, right? It might be starting a new business or a free community or, you know, volunteering or going to the gym or whatever it is, right? Do you, have you found that sometimes or most of the time, more often than not, that that thing that you start doing actually from the outside looking in might be really weird, like, yeah. like, Even seems like you. it's like out of like, like, like you're like on this path. Right. And then all of a sudden you get this thing over here and you're like, Oh, that's what I feel like I should be doing. And, yes. and actually you start doing it and you get into it. And, and if you looked at it from the outside, maybe people who knew you or whatever is like, why is he doing that? That's like nothing to do with what he's, you know, wow. focusing on over here or whatever. Have you found this kind of like a weird offset thing? But if you many stick times. with that, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, many, that's many, the many, right many, thing you should be doing. See, when, when we are truly listening, see, many times we're so busy that we're not able to listen. We're listening to our ego, which is conditioned. So whatever we are planning, creating, strategizing, goal setting from the level of the ego mind is still based in past experience. So no matter how great it is, it's still arising from the conditioned level of our being. And so we will tend to recreate the past in the present and in the future. No matter how great it is, it's still going to be limited. When we, are, when we receive the inspiration from soul, from source, from the divine, it is arising not from the mind, the ego, the personality, or the past. It's arising from a timeless, infinite dimension of our true beingness that is the source of all knowledge. And that, that, that intuition, that guidance is not limited to anything 
of our identity and past. So now we are, you could say, creating in an unlimited direction, an unlimited uh, context. And so as that unconditioned inspiration arises, it's not limited to who we were. It's not limited to what we perceive ourselves to be. It's not limited by our story. It is arising from the infinite. And as that arises, the challenge is many times we look at this and we, we talk ourselves out of it. We, with our mind, try to understand it, try to manipulate it, try to control it. And one of the things that stop us is the constant need to understand everything. The constant need to understand everything is the ego's methodology to try and control. Because if I can understand what this means, even though it arose from the infinite, if I can understand what it means, maybe I, I can manage risk and I won't get hurt like I got hurt when I was a kid, if yeah. I can understand it. And so the need to understand everything is a limitation of the ego. Well intended, but it's a limitation on life. When we can allow this intuition to arise, give up the need to understand and simply follow this impulse. We can follow the impulse, follow the impulse, follow the impulse, and it will slowly lead us. It will slowly guide us. It will, it will take us because it has its own intelligence. It will take us in a direction. So that might be like, pick up the phone and call Nathan. Well, why? And maybe he won't want me to call. And, 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 and I haven't spoken to him. Don't question. Freaking pick up the phone and call Nathan. Hey, Nathan, checking in. How? And maybe Nathan's like, you know what? Dude, I was just I, thinking I, of I you. I was just thinking of you. <laughs> or you know what? You start talking and then you realize Nathan, you know, is trying to do something that you're trying to do. And boom. And, and so we have to be willing to embrace the unknown. Part of our, the degree of freedom we will experience in life is in direct proportion with our ability to dance and embrace the unknown and allow life to lead us. And that is really a real essence of surrender. And one key quality in that process is the ability to be curious. So when you don't know, rather than fixating in, in, a, in a small fixed point of life. What does this mean? Why is this happening? What's going on? I have to analyze everything. I have to know where I'm going. We can, if we can relax, if you're on a point where you don't know where the hell, what the hell you're doing, it's okay. You don't have to know. No different than right now. You and I, we've been breathing. We didn't know how. Trillions and trillions of cells have been processing inside of us. We weren't doing anything. We weren't even understanding what was happening. It was just happening. There is an innate intelligence that knows how to unfold the same way it knows how to, if we cut our finger, it knows how to bring ourselves back into healing and harmony. And so if we're willing to just say, okay, I don't know where this inspiration is guiding me and I don't need to know, but I'm scared, breathe. And just, re just relax into this moment right now and take the next action. Breathe, just move into that, just kind of relax and just what's the next action? Pick up the phone and call Nathan. Breathe, relax, send the email to Susie. That's it. You don't know where it's going to go. Breathe. See, the difference between fake surrender and real surrender is this. In fake surrender, you're like, well, I know I, I kind of need to let this go or I need to do this thing. And if I do it, then you project that X, Y, Z is going to happen. 
oh, if I let this person go, then they'll come back to me. There's already a negotiation and a conditionality to your surrender. But true surrender is like, I know I need to do this thing. I don't know why. And I'm not going to project what might happen. I'm going to remain open so that I don't project into the future because that projection becomes a limitation because now you have a pre-expectation of what's going to happen and you're setting yourself up and setting everything up to maybe meet that expectation or less rather than stay fully available because when you're truly open, truly surrounded, truly available, you take all limitations off of life. And the mm. truth is life is unlimited. And now you are, you are open to life unfolding however it needs to unfold for the fulfillment of your goal, your dream, and your desire. You see, when you and I, when we receive a vision, a dream, that dream has chosen you. We think we chose it, but it chose us because we were the perfect person to, to fulfill that dream and vision. And if that's the case, then the dream doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to life. If it belongs to life, life has an intelligence and knows exactly how to fulfill that dream and vision if we're willing to get ourselves out of the way. That innate intelligence that knows how to heal the cut in your body is the same intelligence that knows how to bring that vision into manifestation, but we're constantly getting in our way. So if we can say, let me get curious. Curiosity is a key. Let me be curious, like, what is seeking to unfold right now? I don't know. What is seeking to happen right now? I'm not sure, but I'm curious. I'm curious. Then you're truly living in the now, like the power of now. That's when you're really living in the now, when there's no need to know what's going to happen. There's a true curiosity to what is arising. And that's why, why children are so alive. They're so fascinated. They're not living a museum of the past in the present and in the future because they don't already know what's going to happen. So everything is like joy. And wonder. The Bible says, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child. The innocence of a child, like, I don't know. But I'm willing to allow life to show me. Oh, things didn't go according to plan. This didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Let me be curious to see what life has in store. Let me be curious to see what more amazing thing, what more incredible thing life is seeking to work out. Because I don't know what this means, but I'm willing to allow life to show me. And that's when the magic happens. Yeah. Something the Buddha said, which was, uh, do whatever you want in life, as long as you don't hurt yourself and don't hurt others. Right. And so I think if we, if we bring that in into what we're doing and follow our hearts and our passions and our, and, and, and what we love to do and contribute to others, life will be deeply fulfilling and meaningful. Uh, but with that said, um, good. I know, I know you've got a, a bit of a time, uh, I know you've got to run to your next thing, but I just want to say, hey, man, this is fascinating conversation. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on and sharing, you know, so much of your your heart and your passion, your wisdom. Um, if people want to get in touch with you by your book, connect with you, your events, all that stuff, where's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Appreciate it, brother. Um, a couple of ways. Uh, the Magic of Surrender book, people can find it on Amazon get the paperback version it's on sale right now it's a simple manual to living surrender in every area of your life if people are inspired by this conversation and feel like they want to go deeper for real uh twice a year i do an event in bali this is my last year doing these very special events in bali it's called boundless bliss 12 days diving deep 
unconditioning yourself, peeling away those layers of conditioning that prevent us from being free and connecting to your authentic nature and really catapulting you forward to share your gifts with the world. People can find out more, www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. And my main website, kuteblackson.com, K-U-T-E, blackson.com. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, say hi, Coot Blackson, my name. Awesome, man. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, brother. Just uh, had a great, great conversation, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved.